Hey, thanks for watching another video from here. Sano to Rage, aka Lono. We're going to be reading through the Director's Cut Part 3 from Luke Smith. This will follow a Q&A session. If you're listening or watching this in any of their locations, I'm probably live right now. Usually these hit the feeds when I'm live on Twitch. Click the link below to come hang out with us live. Let us read through Director's Cut Part 3. Okay, when I started writing this Director's Cut, I figured it would be an easy couple thousand word post. My plan was to rapidly look back at the past six months of Destiny 2 and lay out a simple outline of what we want to do this fall. I think I still did that, but I ended up wanting to talk more about the why, the team, and share about how we are thinking about Destiny. I remember following games when I was younger and being excited to dig in to the messages the developers put together, like Tiggle's post on raids and dungeons back in my WoW days, and I loved it. I loved reading those posts. Maybe this was all A love letter to long-form communication, a relic from the time before all the hot takes, 140-280 character posts, and upvotes. I didn't think this would add up to something longer than almost every paper I wrote in college, but here we are. Before we get to today's programming, I want to circle back on reloader mods and also about mods more generally in armor this fall in case you missed my Twitter thoughts. So here he's going to qualify some of the frustration and confusion people have had about this. Okay. These general mods, which provide the exact same effect as hand cannon loader, but also affects other small arms weapons, cost 4-5 to energy depending on the mod and do not have any elemental affinity. So if you're wanting to make your hand cannon reload fast, but you don't have void armor gauntlets, you would use the general mod to do that, and that's something you don't even have to unlock. We'll all have that day one, according to Luke Smith. These general mods, of which there are 11, are unlocked for everyone automatically, so you can start to tinker right away. Basically, when you want to specialize your weapon, it requires matching your armor's energy type and then you get an energy discount on socketing the mod so it's cheaper energy wise to socket hand cannon reloader into void armor because you're specializing but if you don't want to do that you can use the generic ones but they cost more Thanks for the questions on this. Let's finish the series by looking at combat, where the action game and the RPG collide, and begin with the conversation about the single evolving word portion of the vision. We'll have more on the evolving world later this month, after the feeling has returned to my fingers. Combat, the inevitable collision of action and RPG. We want the game to be an awesome power fantasy where challenge can push back on its players. As we discussed in part one, the game started to bend in year two under the weight of this power and Destiny's imperative that it ride the line between action game uh, action game and RPG. This section is going to explore the collision across a variety of places, the UI, the player character, and of course PvP. Part one, damage numbers and the 99999 problem. Destiny 2 was built with very different goals in mind that was then much improved uh, that was then much improved version of the game we're playing today. Some parts simply weren't meant to last for several years. One of those parts is the displayed damage values relative to the player's power level. This problem most clearly manifests itself to players as the frequency of the 99999 showing up in your HUD. As the post-forsaken year continued, the curve that dictates the value of displayed damage sharpens into a hockey stick. This display values for Shadowkeep rocketed off the graph and became almost vertical. The inflation for damage is getting retooled this fall. It will look like a UI number squish, but more crucially, behind the scenes, we're setting up the damage display system to last. It's important that you understand we are not nerfing your outgoing damage. Rather, we are refactoring the display number game-wide. This is, as I said, 
I said this before multiple times. They have to build a system that works, but then they have to build a system that is scalable. It needs elasticity, and that's what he's talking about. We also had something that, over the years, the team had come to call the immunity wall. This is a value where players cannot damage the AI. In the game today, if you're 50 below an enemy and you shoot it, you deal a big old donut. Another change we've made for fall is that we've lowered, raised the immunity wall to 100. This means you can now deal damage to enemies enemies you are up to a hundred power below the at power you and the enemy are the same power the at power experience is not changing this is not a nerf this is a way for folks to take on greater challenges by fighting further below the power curve part two buffs debuffs and stacking rules you know it i know it and glad knows it the way damage stacking works in the game right now is busted multiplicative damage combines with the exponential damage inflation above the send damage numbers to soaring heights of we cannot continue this way we've taken all the weapon damage buff these enhance the player's outgoing damage that can appear on the characters and uh, and stack rank their damage effects these are effects from empowering rift well of radiance lumina buff top tree void titans weapons of light we have also overhauled this system under the hood um Hang on, hang on. I want to reread that. He says, We've taken all the weapon damage buffs that can appear on the character and stack ranked their damage effects. And stack ranked their damage effects. I don't understand what he means there. I don't know what that phrasing means. We've also overhauled the system under the hood. So the damage calculations use only the most powerful buff on the player at a given time. There you go. Somebody in chat said that the other day. They said that instead of holding one buff at a time, it's only going to take the highest. That's exactly what somebody said. Somebody somebody else was right. I was wrong. I thought you were going to only, only be able to hold one buff at a time. It's going to take the strongest one. Somebody in chat, that's a feather in your cap. You said that the other day. That was your guess. My guess was if you grabbed Weapons of Light first, you would hold that and only hold that until it ran out. Um, here we go. It's got nuance to it, though. If you're under the damage effect of something stronger than Well of Radiance, you will still receive the healing effect from the Well, but the damage bonus would come from another buff, like Lumina or Weapons of Light. We've made some changes to debuffs as well. A debuff is an effect that weakens an enemy. We've touched the effects and the durations of a number of them. These effects include Hammer Strike, Shattering Strike, Tractor Cannon, and Shadow Shot. Shadow Shot will now work on powerful weapons as well. Ooh. In general, only one ability buff can be active on a player at a given time. I told you that's what they were going to do. And enemies can be affected by only one debuff at a time. There are notable exceptions in the form of exotics and weapon amplifications, kill clip, rampage, etc. The exotics and weapon amplification perks will remain multiplicative. I hate that word. Uh, increases to damage above the ability buff values. Okay, nice. Here's a simple version. Buffs that apply to a single weapon, Rampage, Kill Clip, Exotics, can still stack, but buffs that affect all your weapons no longer stack. The most powerful of those buffs will be applied to your damage. I'm sure someone's going to make a video that shows this off in action on October the 1st. Multiplicative. Multiplicative, multiplicative, like multiplication, multiplicative. I hate the word. I don't, I don't like saying it. I, I don't say it well. <laughs> Part three, supers everywhere. Masterwork guns, super mods, orbs everywhere. 
Right now, for a pretty decent player running super mods, the time it takes to gain a super is under 2 minutes in PvP. If you compare the duration of damage for a roaming super in Destiny 2 to roaming supers in Destiny 1, you'll see they're more powerful now than ever before. We didn't have roaming arc titans in Destiny 1, but every time I play PvP, I get killed by one twice in the same super. (laughs) Similar to the way that deep down, we all know damage dealing capabilities of Guardians has gotten out of control. We know that supers have two. Destiny 2 was overly restrictive at launch, but now the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction. We'll start bringing this back towards center in Shadowkeep. I've said this before, the problem isn't how strong we are with our supers or heavy weapons, it's the rhythm in which they show up. On the live stream a couple of months ago, I mentioned that we're lowering roaming super damage resistance, and we are. Seeing someone pop a super should not instinctively make us want to run away, give up, or float off the map. We want super kills to feel earned, and we want players on the business end of a super to feel like they can make a big play and put down the striker titan. Being able to challenge someone in their super is important, and right now, many of the supers are very, very hard to challenge. On top of that, more things than ever now contribute to players getting their super back, so we're doing some tuning there as well. Supers will be just as powerful, but they are going to be more strategic choice. As cho- as such, we're reducing the effectiveness of orbs on refilling the super meter and reducing the super energy gained from kills and assists. This isn't just a PvP problem. Remember that series on the Reckoning Part 1? It's all related. Supers are still very, very powerful in the PvE game. Players will just need to be slightly more specific with their timing and positioning than in the past. This kind of tuning is a pendulum. We've swung it hard in different directions and we're all hopeful that these changes will begin to be a better middle ground for destiny 2 i know you'll let us know your thoughts once you played in the fall next section heavy ammo available destiny 1 heavy ammo became an in-match rally point in 6v6 matches once open players nearby would all get some heavy ammo in destiny 2 heavy ammo is a jockey for position speed before need looting game that gets played all the time in destiny 1 heavy ammo felt metered and in destiny 2 you can defeat a team but not an arc titan multiple times with a brick for hammerhead see where this is heading we're making some changes to heavy ammo in destiny 2 heavy ammo will be communal in 6v6 playlists. We're also we're, we're also reducing the amount of ammo per brick in PvP for certain 6v6 archetypes. It's not exactly the same as D1 though. When a player cracks open the heavy crate, other players have a window of time to interact to get the heavy ammo. Let's talk about PvP. There has been a lot of conversation internally and externally at different points during this year around the support Bungie provides PvP. On one hand, we have continued to tune the game each quarter, added pinnacle PvP weapons that somehow ended up as pinnacle PvE weapons, tried out a ranking system in the Crucible, and returned the game to its 6v6 roots. On the other hand... We haven't released a new permanent game mode. Many game modes from Destiny 1 are nowhere to be seen. This isn't a public-facing PvP team, and the last real thing we said was Trials is staying on hiatus indefinitely. Let's get some of this sorted out. Trials of the Nine wasn't the hero we wanted it to be. We made too many changes to a formula that, while it had begun to decline in D1, wasn't as flawed as we thought. 
When we were making Destiny 2, we talked a lot about making sure it felt like a sequel, bringing in new players and simplifying the game, and Trials of the Nine created another casualty there. It happened on my watch, and if I could turn back time, I would challenge us to do many things differently. If nothing else, I hope it's clear we are committed to learning from the mistakes we made and making it right. I told you this was going to be the language. I don't think we're going to get any big news here. There were some really cool parts to the Emissary. Some of the gear was pretty potent darkest before but the theme felt weaker the trials card was less important and the stakes felt lower trials of the nine didn't work the way we'd hope and trials of the nine is on hiatus indefinitely so why have we been so quiet about pvp well we didn't have a lot to say we weren't actively developing something to hype it up we knew pvp was going to be something everyone got for free in new light so it wasn't really a part of shadow keeps core offering we are doing what we are doing about PvP became a question that we asked internally. A bunch of folks on our team are passionate about PvP and wanted to know where it was heading. PvP is in need of some quality of life improvements and restructuring. This fall with New Light, hopefully, bringing a bunch of new folks into Destiny and with our existing players looking for some updates on PvP, we will start by making significant changes to the PvP portion of the director. Today, it's a fine balance between adding playlists and maintaining healthy populations when we're looking at changes to playlist structures. We want to achieve a couple of goals. First, we want players to have some more agency with respect to pick a playlist, pick a mode, or play a mode. And second, we want the playlist to drift back into the everything is a factor of three that Destiny 1 used and the rest of the game mostly uses. Player counts being based on a common number like three is important and enables a bunch of activity options for groups of friends to engage with. In Destiny 1, players could run strike groups, team up for a raid, go play 6v6 PvP, split up and do 3v3 PvP, etc. At launch, Destiny 2's 4v4 PvP completely broke this pattern, and we want to reset the bone with PvP this fall. Okay, we are going to get information. We've revised the playlist a lot, and here's how it's going to work. We've removed the quick play and competitive nodes from the director. If you're looking for an experience like quick play, we've added classic mix, a connection-based playlist like quick play today. Classic mix includes control, clash, and supremacy. Competitive is replaced by 3v3 survival. We've added a survival solo queue playlist that awards glory. We've added 6v6 control as its own playlist. With the potential influx of new players this fall, we want to have a playlist that signals to new players that that is where to start. We feel like 6v6 control is the right starting place when introducing new friends to Destiny. We've added a weekly 6v6 rotator and a weekly 4v4 rotator. What? The rotator playlists are modes like Clash, Supremacy, Mayhem, Lockdown, and Countdown will appear. We've removed some underperforming maps from matchmaking too. Alright. We've also been working on four variants of 3v3 elimination. They include different approaches to revives, token resurrection or not, and variations on how heavy ammo works. Elimination is going to make its return in Crucible Labs. However, elimination is very much unfinished. It's missing VO, and there are no unique metals associated with it. Between the missing polish and the four variants we'd like your feedback on, elimination for the time being is a great fit for Crucible Labs. We fully expect it to graduate out of labs and find a warmer home. Interesting phrasing there, warmer home. Uh, Sons, Osiris. Uh, We wanted to make sure you could test elimination on some familiar maps, so we've brought back Widow's Court and Twilight Gap. Ooh, we want to play with you. We want to watch Elimination in this combat sandbox and see how it all fits 
together. We're also changing how we do matchmaking with a bunch of potential new players entering Destiny via new light. We don't want PvP to feel like you're being told it's time to learn to swim as the helicopter door opens over the Pacific Ocean. So we've made some changes to separate the new swimmers from the Olympians. Additionally, we've also taken a longer look at matchmaking and overhauled the skill matching system. In game today, Quick Play is the only playlist that doesn't have some version of skill matchmaking in the game. We're preserving that behavior, connection matchmaking, in the 6v6 classic mix playlist. Here's what gets really annoying about skill match. When it's overly restrictive, it's fatiguing when every single game feels like a sweat fest. When it's overly loose, a player can get an entire evening of unlucky matchmaking RNG where they're getting dumped on by squads of Terminators shredding Kindergartians. It's a bad time for the Kindergartians. There's much more complexity and nuance to an evening of PvP than those two statements above, but they do accurately capture the core problem, a lack of match-to-match variety. Sure, for a bunch of Terminators, a night of stomping might be a blast, but what about the folks on the receiving end of that business? This is where it gets tricky to improve matchmaking. People generally tend to focus on their own experience and their feedback. Like, sure, yeah. We think variety across an evening of PvP is important. This fall, skill match should ensure a wider variety of matches, regardless of player skill. Some matches should be tense and thrilling, while other matches should be stomps. This philosophy should also apply to top players, so they don't feel like every match is a sweat show either. It sounds like they're just going to turn skill matchmaking off and on. Like, I don't know. We've refactored how players gain glory ranks with these skill match changes. We're factoring in your skill value to glory gains and losses so that the number can more effectively represent skill. We've also made a number of quality of light changes to glory, valor, and infamy to make losses feel less punishing to your streaks. Once the above changes go live in October, we'll be watching, listening, and reading as you check them out. So, my prediction about not a parade for PvP fans, there's some good stuff in here, um, but I don't really know if this is going to be... They're going to probably have to give more information about PvP and changes in sandbox stuff. That seems good, but I I don't think anybody's throwing a parade for that. Uh, An evolving world. There's an aspirational vision for what evolving could mean in Destiny. Someday, Destiny could become a dynamic world where the world changes each season. We want Destiny, so he's not putting Destiny 2 here. We want Destiny to feel like you're playing in a game world with true momentum, a universe that is going somewhere, a game where things are happening, not just in terms of new items and activities, but also in terms of narrative. It's frequently seemed like Destiny was treading water in terms of moving the world's narrative forward. We want to tackle this in Destiny 2's third year. During Season 8, a new situation will unfold on the moon. I'm being cagey here only because I'm reluctant to spoil anything. Over the course of the season, parts of the game will change before the situation culminates in an event that will ultimately resolve itself and its content will be exhausted. But this resolution sets up the events of Season 9, which again adds something new to the game and resolves it. Something that too will go away, but not before setting up Season 10, etc. I like this. I like why well, I like ways thinking here. This differs from last year's annual pass, which permanently added activities to the game. This year, we'll see events that last for three months and offer new rewards to chase, although at the end of that period, the activities will go away. 
for a time the rewards will too but we also acknowledge a part of playing destiny is collecting all of the stuff so in future seasons the weapons and legendary armor associated with these seasonal activities will be added to other reward sites now the reason he's saying this is one of the reasons i've talked about how they can't add to the game infinitely they're going to run out of space this is an answer to that problem seasonally things crop up and then they go away and then they come back new activities are not static okay that's a pretty i think that's a good idea for keeping the game fresh while also not bloating the game with activities that are irrelevant relevant relevant irrelevant like on a on a rotating door right I alluded to some of these when we were looking back. The game continuing to grow forever isn't something we can support. Destiny simulation, fidelity, and architecture fundamentally make it a big game. I've seen a lot of Game X does it, why can't Destiny? But the reference games and ours have very different technical profiles. Technical limitations aside, we also don't think making a game that grows forever is Destiny's path forward. It's why the second component of the vision is a single evolving world. To clarify, that single evolving world doesn't mean there's only one destination on the director. Uh, that's not where we're heading. Uh, you were there with your friends, got the gear and weapons to remember it by, made the memories and changed alongside Destiny. In late August, we're going to talk more about the annual pass and how it's continuing to evolve. So later this month, we'll get more. Closing time. If you've made it this far, thanks. I think I could probably write another 10,000 words, words about this game. This fall, my ninth working this fall is my ninth working on Destiny, and at times it's felt way longer than nine years. There were there have been dark, dark days for you, for us here, and certainly for me. But this year has been special. It's been a lot of fun talking with you and getting to try different things, whether they are a stream where I turned up unshowered because my hot water went out that morning. Uh, yep, Twitter promise that turned into way too many words. This. Uh, the Bungie team has worked incredibly hard and we're excited to get Shadowkeep onto your hard drives in October. Big thanks to them for their work and also for helping me put this together on a comically tight timeline. Many, many emails and work-related IMs went were sent during the construction of this message. Thanks for playing, reading, and being part of this community. See you soon, Luke Smith. So, that is the entirety of the director's cart part three i see good things i see not as exciting things and things that are just sort of housekeeping so overall a great way to end it uh pvp players are probably equally celebrating and maybe scratching their heads at the same time we're going to transition to q a if you're listening on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube click the link below i'm probably live right now come hang out or just wait for the q a Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that came after my read of the third and final piece of the director's cut from Luke Smith. It touched on combat, buffs, and other things. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, I'm probably live right now. Click the link below. Come in and hang out with us live on the channel. You can always follow the channel if I'm not live. If you're listening and watching other places, you can always like, subscribe, and share this with other people. That helps me out as well so i'm gonna jump right into the questions here we read through the whole thing that video and segment is is before this so you probably already heard it so jump right into the question poots mcgee says guild wars 2 had a similar system during their living world season one and it was where unique rewards that have since been removed once the event was over and now people just want it all back how do you think bungie should balance these temporary events in regards to rewards also feels a bit like wasted time as content gets removed that's a pretty good question i mean number one you have the entire season you have the entire season so it's not like a week like they did with like 
Faction Rise. <laughs> like with Faction Rise, like you have one week to get this shotgun, you know, and then if you didn't get it, you didn't get it. Like that would have been that would have been a bummer, I think. So, I think if they basically give you the entire season and they said that when the activity goes away, the rewards will be put somewhere else in the future, I think you're taken care of. I think you're taken care of. I don't think you're going to be like, oh my gosh, let's imagine they add something called, uh, for for the time being, we'll just call it the Nightmare Forest, okay? They add the Nightmare Forest. And the Nightmare Forest has got cool weapons and a really cool armor set. And you really want that armor set and you really want those cool weapons. And you grind all season. And maybe there's something that you don't get. Maybe there's a roll on a shotgun and you don't get it. And then the midnight, and then the nightmare force goes away in the next season. That loot, according to Luke, is going to come back somewhere else. It's not gone for forever. So I I don't think that they're just going to say, yep, you know, it's gone for forever. You're never going to get it. So the activity going away, the rewards will get shifted around. Here's the reason that's such a good idea. I've talked a lot about this. I've talked a lot about how people are like, does this mean we're never getting Destiny 3? They're just going to keep adding to Destiny 2. There's only so much room in the game for them to add things. And that's why I said, like, repurposing old content is such a good idea. Because if not, you just end up with, like, you just keep stacking activities on top of each other that eventually just get left behind. Escalation Protocol, The Forges... Reckoning, even Menagerie, maybe not Menagerie because it could be a good powerful source. But you see the point, right? You just keep stacking and then eventually it's like your game is bloated with a bunch of irrelevant activities. In this in this scenario, they bring an activity, we grind it like crazy that season, and then it goes away. And then it and then something else comes back later. The other thing to consider here is that as long as the rewards aren't going away, my only thought would be if like if that shotgun's available next season in another activity, what kind of loot injection are we getting? That'd be my biggest concern. Is if I can keep if I can always get the shotgun, right? I don't know. Didn't he say it would change during the season? Well, yeah, I mean he did say things will happen. So maybe I overstated it. It might be true that they introduce an activity that's not a ama- uh, not available the whole season because he says there'll be things that happen, there'll be things that happened and then it'll lead to something that then goes away. So it it may be possible that like it, imagine that they added the menagerie the last month of season of opulence, something like that. So there might be, as somebody's putting it in chat, I always call that rhythmic urgency. There's like a rhythm of urgency. Every week or every month, there's something that if you don't do, it's going to go away for a while and then come back. So, you know, it would be like them moving Leviathan Raid, but moving all the gear like Midnight Coup and stuff to Menagerie. I think it's a solid concept. We'll just see if it frees them up to, as long as we get a cool content loop and cool stuff to chase every season. I don't care what goes away and comes back. I really don't. It's like when Menagerie came out, were you really upset that you suddenly really didn't have a reason to go run the forges? I mean, you probably ran the forges for the powerful drops, but that's pretty much it, right? You were like, guys, you know, I know the Menagerie is fun and all, but don't you miss running in the forges? You just, you naturally do that anyway as a player for the most part. I'm not speaking for everybody here. Uh... 
Lotor, what are your thoughts on the PvP changes coming? It seems like a lot of good, maybe some not good, but then I think the silver lining for folks is that they clearly want to bring back 3v3 Elim, but they want to do it in a live fire testing environment, which is probably the best option. What did I always say about trials? If it comes back, it needs to be 3v3 Elim, but the current meta and the current map design would not be fun for 3v3 Elim. It seems that Bungie agrees with me because if they're going to bring back 3v3 Elim, they want to essentially test it out in Crucible Labs. They don't want to just be like, here's 3v3 Elim. He also said they're retiring some maps that people don't like, you know, that aren't doing well, that are underperforming or whatever he said. So if I was a, if I was a Crucible player and I wanted Trials to come back, that's what I would be setting my sights on. I think they're putting 3v3 Elim in Crucible Labs that's their that that's them building the next iteration of trials. I think that we're going to assist them with that. That's that's my theory. And then when you look at them getting rid of quick play and competitive and like competitive is becoming 3v3 survival and the quick play is becoming like a you know, you just I forget how he phrased it. Um quick play and competitive are going away there's going to be classic mix which will be control clash and supremacy then there's going to be 3v3 survival there's going to be solo queue for survival for people that want to play by themselves and then there's going to be the 6v6 control all by itself but then they said there's also going to be a weekly 6v6 and 4v4 rotator I don't understand why they're doing anything 4v4 ever again that was the biggest question mark for me why would you not just leave 4v4 out of the game eternally? But maybe they're just doing that just to be like, hey, you know what? We've made a lot of meta changes. We've done a lot of things with speed and TTK and weapons and blah, blah, blah. Let's just see how 4v4 does every once in a while. That could just be like a throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. If it doesn't stick, we can scrap it next season. It's on a rotator. So again, it could just be a, yeah, let's see what happens. You know, you know, it's, I don't know, Widow's Court and these other maps. I mean, this and that and blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, and apparently Dylan confirmed on Twitter that Rumble will still have its own playlist. Because 4v4 was better on some maps. Yeah, on certain maps. So maybe that's what they're going to maybe try to do. Like the 4v4 rotator will only be on maps that are perfect for 4v4. I don't know. Firewall. As a heavy PvP player, I like the direction Luke said they are heading with a basis of fire teams of three. But what the frick are they keeping 4v4 in the playlist for? I know I'm not alone in saying this. You're not alone in saying this. We literally just said it. So I would say uh, what we just said. I think they're just throwing it at the wall to see if it'll stick. I I honestly do. I think they're just going to throw it at the wall to see if it'll stick. They want to see, can we get this... Can we get any play out of 4v4? You know? Mick Cheshire. I'm confused. How exactly does providing more players with heavy ammo tackle the fact that heavy ammo can be dominant? I must not have paid too much attention to that part. Um, my thought would be that there's multiple spots where there's heavy. So both teams are kind of getting some heavy instead of one person. And that is... It's, it's counterintuitive, but I think that's a bit of an intrinsic balancing point. Like, if if both teams are kind of getting it, then it's like, it's kind of like this bombastic moment in the play flow, and then it's over and done with. And people in chat are saying, it's likely that it won't spawn as often. I think that's a 
pretty good prediction as well. Maybe it goes back to being a one-time thing. Where did he talk about that? Um, uh, where was that? It was below the game modes, wasn't it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do this on the fly, and I don't remember where exactly it landed. I thought it was before all the issues about, like, was it in a separate spot? Right here, okay. Heavy ammo became an in-match rally point in 6v6. Once open, players nearby, blah, blah, blah. Uh, where is this heading? We're making changes to Heavy Ammo Destiny 2. Heavy will be a com- will be communal in 6v6 playlist. We're also reducing the amount per brick you get. It's not exactly the same as D1, though. When a player cracks open the Heavy Crate, other players have a window to interact. So, more people are getting it, but you're getting a lot less... So maybe you shouldn't be able to like run around with a hammerhead as much as you used to. So again, I don't think they want to swing the bat at heavy ammo in Crucible. They're like, let's tweak this and see what happens. Uh, just, just Jace. Do you think I've got, if I've got old armor when 2.0 comes out and say I got hand cannon targeting on it. Uh, and I delete it when 2.0 comes out. Will it give me the mod, or do you have to go out into the world? Mods that are not that are not generic will have to be unlocked. So specialization mods, which hand cannon targeting is a specialization mod, that will need to be unlocked. Once unlocked, you have it all the time and can slot it and unslot it in any matching ammo ar- armor type. But you will not have it right away, no matter what you do with existing armor. It has no bearing on the mods that you have day one. Our top 87. Should we not think of it as losing content? I hate to keep going back to the Dreaming City over and over to gain power. I like the sound of this, but we'll have to see. I think he said something new introduced each season that goes away. Yeah, I don't... Um, the example I gave is... Are you running Blind Dwell or the Forges a lot? Let's imagine Reckoning wasn't a trash pile. Let's imagine Reckoning was good. Would you have been running Reckoning when Menagerie came out? We already kind of do this anyway. They probably looked at player-based numbers and they're like, people are clustering around the new activity anyway. So we can bring it in and retire it, which gives us room in the game world and on the director and doesn't bloat the game. What are you going to do, man? Like, I want you to imagine right now, like every season, I'm just like, boom, 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 just to keep adding stuff. And by the time we get to September next year, it's this big, giant, bloated game. And if the, as what Amish Milkman's saying, the seasons are a la carte. You jump in. What's all this new stuff going on? You don't feel like, oh, I really need to go do forges, or I really need to go do this. You're like, no, I hop in, and it's a self-contained season of XYZ. More than likely, the artifact's going to be related to this, too, because the artifact you can do, like, every season. Uh, Dr. Sprepper? (laughs) I don't know if I missed it, but... Did he address how Iron Banner would work in year three between any of the director cuts? It would be cool if Iron Banner armor came with split elements like five void, five arc. Um, I don't know why you would give this this loving treatment to Iron Banner armor. <laughs> They're not going to do that. I'll tell you that right now. And they didn't talk about Iron Banner. I don't know why you're trying to give them the best stuff, though. Iron Forge. When Luke mentioned Trials of the Nine with an uh, indefinite hiatus, the Nine was in italics. Do you think this is a hint that the new trials or just spin foil hat conspiracy? 
I think it's very... I, I, I don't want to say it's very clear. I think it's very easy to theorize that 3v3 Elim is going into Crucible Labs because that's going to be what they use to build Trials. Because we all know fans of Trials of Osiris have almost uniformly said, bring back Trials as 3v3 Elim. And he's like... If we're gonna bring back three v three Elam, we got work to do. Let's let the let's let the community help us with it. Uh, mind game. Sorry, if this is a dumb question. I can only listen in. But did I hear him say four v four broke D two and then say they're releasing a four v four mode this fall? Please tell me I heard wrong. He didn't say it broke it. He said that he said it. I don't know how he exactly he phrased it. Oh. He said 4v4 broke this pattern that you could do like a 6v6, a 3v3, a 6v6, you know, go into a raid with 6, blah, 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 blah. He said it messes up with the threes that they like to use. The 4v4 is on a rotator, okay? Now think about it like this. Think about it like this, okay? They're adding 3v3 survival. They're adding solo queue survival. They're adding the, the, they're adding the classic mix playlist. They're adding the 6v6 control. That's there all the time. But then they're going to have a weekly rotator of 6v6 and 4v4. The rotator playlist will go from Clash, Supremacy, Mayhem, Lockdown, Countdown, blah, blah, blah. That's where those modes are going to appear. Again, I feel like they're just throwing 4v4 at the wall and maybe even shrinking its thing and saying, well, if we do 4v4, it'll be for this specific game mode and it'll just be these maps. My mustache is driving me crazy. John, Johnny Boy. Don't you think that removing 4v4 comp will upset the hardcore PvP players that have their four-man teams for comp and they can't play together? Now that'll be 3v3. I don't know if you're going to get a lot of complaint from the from the comp crowd here. I think they wanted to go back to 3v3. Uh, a ants. How do you feel about temporary activities? I understand you can't keep adding to the game. I think this is a way of D2 going till D3, but I feel that a lot of people are going to, you know, whine. <laughs> What's your thoughts? I think, yeah, I mean, I can see it now. Well, what's the use in paying for a DLC and annual pass if you're just going to take the content away from me? I, you're going to see that. You're going to see that. Why should I buy your winter seasonal DLC if you're going to take the content away from me as soon as the season's over? You write that down. That's already being written somewhere on Reddit. I mean, that, that's that's going to happen. Um, and listen, I don't want to act like there's not some validity to the comment, right? I don't want to act like, there, like it's a completely invalid statement. I mean, to a certain extent... If you if you buy an annual pass for 10 bucks, it does seem weird that after a couple of months what you feel you bought is going away. And they're like, "Oh, don't worry. If you didn't get that shotgun, well we're throwing it in the next annual pass." So you got to sp- you got to spend another $10 if you want to try and get it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to act like it's completely invalid. It's a completely invalid uh, piece of criticism. Um, man, yeah, they're they're gonna have to be they're gonna have to be really careful with how they position that. Cause you've made them you've made them a la carte, 
I guess what you would basically say to people is our vision is that if you're playing the game at this point, you're always buying the annual pass stuff. Like, why are you interested in the game? Right? Why are you interested in the game? What are you gonna we gonna play the forges for the rest of your freaking life, you know? So I, I mean I again I can see where some people might make that criticism, and I think there's there's a very thin thread of validity to it. But given that you don't go back and it's it's a way to make sure that the game just kind of continues to be able to move forward. It's kind of like a subscription model. Dredgen Tour. With the testing of 3v3 Elim coming, do you think their ultimate goal is to make comp in general the new Trials of Osiris Pavilion? I think the 3v3 Elim test is for Trials specifically. Mel says, I actually think I like it. Sometimes I have to miss a season. I can use my money more wisely. Yeah. Dude, I gotta find a good comeback to that because I am I see the validity of it, though. You're like, I don't have a lot of money. I spent $10 on this season, and when the season ended, you took my activity away. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if I have a really strong comeback to that yet. I'll have to think about it. That seems like a, a, a not-so-invalid, whiny comment. It's like, bruh. I don't understand. I paid for this content. What's going on? Imagine paying for Dark Below and they take away the raid after after a season. You'd be like, what? I say the activity is free. Right here he says, I mean, he's talking about the annual pass when he talks about it. You know? He's talking about the annual pass. But the resolution will set up events for season nine, which again adds something new to the game, and then it resolves it. Something will go away, but not before setting up season ten. You know, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have a strong comeback to that criticism because I I resonate a little bit with it. I'm like, I'm not saying Bungie shouldn't do it. I'm saying if somebody comes in with that perspective, how can I give them a different perspective on why it's okay? Because imagine them being like, here's House of Wolves, and then after four months, they're like, yeah, Prison of Elders is gone. You're like, wait, what? I liked running that. You know, oh, you want new stuff, you gotta buy the new, you gotta buy the next annual pass piece, you know? If the locations are free, the events could be tied to the locations. I mean, he may want to qualify this because if they're basically saying it's a seasonal thing and not an annual annual pass thing, if it's not if it's not a monetized thing, um, you know what I mean? Don't defend them. You shouldn't be defending everything Bungie does. Sometimes they're wrong. You're really unfamiliar with my content if you think I defend everything they do. I think it's a good choice, which is why I want to defend it. I don't think adding things forever to destiny is the right way forward i don't think it's a good idea and i think we cluster around the activities anyway when menagerie came out we clustered around menagerie we weren't running forges anymore we naturally do this so it's not a huge problem it's not a huge problem i think it's the right choice but i understand and resonate with somebody that's like dude I don't have a ton of money. I bought this thing at Christmas. I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip the next annual pass, and you're taking the activity away from me. 
You know, I, I want to keep playing that activity. I could see somebody being annoyed by that. I don't know. It's all in how they, it's all in how they position it. Um, you think they're wrong? Oh, you actually think they're wrong in this regard. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's becoming a technical necessity, but you know. Hey, I'm Johnny. Do you think we will learn more about sandbox changes for the PV3 stream? I mean, they're going to have to talk more about sandbox changes. He said virtually nothing about it. I don't think that was the purpose of these director's cuts. It's high noon. Don't you think that with the debuff buff stacking that it'll be better to run what you want than the most strongest? Well, what this does is it frees up people to build individual roles that they play in the fight or in the raid or in the team instead of like constantly everybody running the same thing here's why I bought the annual pass but if they took the forge away after this season I would have I wouldn't have gotten the exotic ship which I got this season well but he said the awards will get redistributed though evil the waffler so if you're worried about the rewards going away he did speak to that specifically grognag in all honesty what could they really do to breathe new life into pvp pvp is pretty straightforward sure they can tweak the matchmaking but at the end of the day you have to kind of expect pvp is well it's pvp thanks for the awesome stream um content and keep the good work thank you well here's the thing i think the idea would be that you need to try to evolve it at least a little bit you can't just leave it static this means maps this means meta shifts this means maybe game modes I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think they can do much within the realm of game modes. Every Listen, they don't have a very good track record when it comes to adding game modes. Rift, Breakthrough, Lockdown, Salvage. How many game modes can we list that have just not... <laughs> they haven't worked out and they haven't lasted. They don't have a great track record when it comes to game modes. And even as much as people are like, Rift wasn't that bad, Rift was bad. Rift was static spawns and if you played with the team, it was just a spawn trap. It was great in concept, but in execution, it just didn't go over very well. So I'm with you. I don't know how much they could do with PvP. I really don't. I think what people want is a spectrum of PvP. I want a casual environment, I want a competitive environment, and I want trials on the weekend. That's what people came to love during the height of trials. There was a spectrum. Right? Um, So... I don't necessarily think people are wanting like insane innovation, you know. I don't think people wanted insane innovation. I think people just want a nice spectrum so they can kind of do a variety of things and PvP doesn't seem to really offer that. It seems like it's kind of sweaty and crazy everywhere. Now, some of that's related to to, to, to the meta. Some of that's related to... He says that Quick Play has no skill-based matchmaking. I just, I just don't know how that's accurate. I feel like every single person that has anything to do with PvP, their experience just seems to indicate the exact opposite of there being no skill-based matchmaking in quick play. They're just... I just... I'm not saying that he's lying. I'm just saying they're... I just... (laughs) I just think there's a lot of people that have had experiences that seem to prove there is skill-based matchmaking and... I just don't I don't know dude. I don't know. If that's if that if there if there is no skill based matchmaking, then something's going on. Um it has skill based team balancing. Yeah, so then you're just playing funny games with the phrasing, right? Like you're putting you're putting bad players with good players. Like I, I like I don't know. It just 
Maybe that's why people feel like skill-based matchmaking is turned on because it's got the skill-based team balancing turned on. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put Luke Smith on blast and be like, "You're clearly lying." It just seems like there is something that goes on in quick play that leads a lot of people to conclude that there is skill-based something going on. And if it's just the team balancing, then that's also freaking frustrating because you're basically saying you're a good player. Here, play with these potatoes who don't have any thumbs. Like that doesn't seem fair either. That seems like you're punishing good players. Far West Fox. With them pushing glory ranks in the corner, does this mean that we can expect more PvP pinnacle weapons like Revoker? They seem to indicate they want new players to feel welcome. Well, they do want new players to feel welcome. Look, this is an established franchise problem that will never go away. Try to jump into an established franchise. Like, after all the Gears games that have come out, like, try and go play some Gears PvP. You're not even going to know what the frick's going on. You're going to have some guy just roll past you and shotgun Nash you, and you're like, what the frick? You're dead. Um, You know, in, in Fortnite, I believe... We've not talked about this much. We've talked about Fortnite and how they leverage the anger of big streamers and how they intentionally put in uh, broken things because it helps promote their game mode. They actually use controversy and anger as a marketing mechanic and a marketing machine. They want you to be angry. They want you to get frustrated. But I also think Fortnite is dealing with a funnel that they want to fill, and if they fill that funnel and you run into all the mini Tfus that are in the game, you're not going to want to play for very long. Destiny is going to be facing a very similar problem. With New Light, you don't want to be like, hey, you know, Kindergarten Johnny, do you want to jump in and play some PvP? And he's like, yeah. And he jumps in and he's getting shoulder charged. He's getting shotgunned. He's getting domed. And he's like, what? This is awful? You know? Um, so it's just one of those things where the you have to you have to make it accessible to those guys now eventually right you 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 take the you take the training wheels off and you you get them out of you know you get them out of the you have to take them out of the 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 training wheels eventually but you know you got to do you got to do something to help them out they're brand new you know someone in chat says good players should play good players i don't know why as a six stack you would expect easy games I don't know why that's always the go-to cliche. People that speak against skill-based matchmaking, you just you just put words in their mouth. Just because they don't like skill-based matchmaking doesn't mean that's what they want. Like that's just such a that's just such a false conclusion. Oh, you don't like skill-based matchmaking? Well, you just want to you must want to pub stomp. That's all you want to do is pub stomp. No, <laughs> like as I said, and 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 you go back. Here here's what's here's what's interesting. Luke Smith's reasoning in the post about skill-based matching, matchmaking, it is a perfect mirror and mimic of one of my videos about it. I talked about how the problem with skill-based matchmaking and every game being close is that it always feels static. Every game feels the same. There's no dynamics. There's no highs and lows. And it gets really, really boring. Every gunfight's almost a trade. Every game's practically a tie the whole time. Right? He literally said the exact thing I used to say about it. I'm like, there's no there's there's no highs or lows. Now I contrasted that I contrasted that to when I played sixteen games in a row when apparently skill based matchmaking was turned off. Okay? When I played those sixteen games in a row, I had a great time and here's what happened. I would play against players that were clearly 
absolute potatoes. I'd get double kills. They would be staring at the wall. They'd be running. They were just bad players. You could just tell. But I was also playing against people that were really, really good. So even within a game, even if the end result was that the score was close, it didn't matter. I had different experiences within the game. I was like, oh, that was funny. Did you guys see that double on those on those potatoes over there? Oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden I run into a guy who's way better than me. It's like, holy frick, that guy's really, really good with the Ace of Spades. And then when I get to kill him, it feels good because I clearly know he's one of the better players. And that experience that I had, do you know what? You want to know what I went back and I did? I went back and I looked at the uh, at the like the the statistics, the efficiency ratings for the players. And every team had one or two strong players, some middle ground players, and then potatoes that had like really negative numbers. Okay. Fast forward to when they clearly turned skill based matchmaking back on. Every single team, right? Every single team had very very similar efficiency ratings and it was boring it was like every gunfight's practically a trade because we're all on equal footing so it's like oh i got him oh he got me Ooh, almost got him oh man we won in the final five seconds it feels like a freaking meat grinder it's like it's just it's the all the tide 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 boom at the end somebody pops their super at just the right time and they win and it's like yeah, neat, cool. I don't feel like I contributed to the game at all. I feel like we're all adding our own equal efficiency ratings to the very last second, and then somebody, whoop, squeaks ahead and wins by a hair. That's not funny. That's not fun. You know what I mean? It's like, that's why when you have a match full of good, medium, and bad players, it just tends to be a better time for everybody. And listen, the potatoes... I just, I, I really feel like that quote from Daquan was so, was just so accurate. We read it this morning. He's like, development companies have got to learn. You just, you can't protect bad players from good players. Now I'm not talking about brands. New players do need some level of protection. That's not what I'm saying. If you're brand new to the franchise, there's got to be something that kind of helps you out. Right. But he was like, you can't protect the bad from the good. If you do ranked, then people are going to smurf. If you break people up, then people are going to, you know, people are going to get on alt accounts. They're going to do things. They're going to, if you do, uh, if you separate them, the people are going to go into the casual playlist and, and pub stomp. And he's like, and if you do everything you can to help the bad players, you just end up breaking and ruining your game. So that's a long answer to why it isn't when someone doesn't like skill-based matchmaking it's way too simplistic and reductionist to be like well you just must want a pub stomp not at all the truth that's just not the case you punish people that are good by saying we're gonna siphon you off and you're in the top 10% so you're always playing with the top 10% every game's a sweat fest oh also since your player pool is smaller cause you're good uh, you have to deal with poor connection quality longer matchmaking times playing against the exact same players all day every day like there are there are significant problems to skill based matchmaking it's not as simple as oh you just want a pub stop it's just it's never and never will be that simple uh Jax as my main is a warlock uh could you by any chance abbreviate what Luke meant by the well changes I'm slightly confused uh okay so basically buffs won't stack so if you and and neither will debuffs 
So if you step into the well and you do other things to get a, a buff on your damage, you will only get one buff, and that happens to be like whatever the best, the biggest one is. So you're not going to be able to buff stack. You're not going to be able to like <clears throat> walk into a well with weapons of light and have them stack on top of each other. Um, so. Giggs hates skill-based matchmaking because, as he puts it, a lobby of only good players is boring. No one does any amazing plays because everyone is at or near the same level of skill. Right. That encapsulates what I said. It's like every ki- every gunfight's almost a trade. It's like, whew, got him. Oh, I almost died. Every fight's almost a trade. That's, that's boring. That's exhausting. It's like... No double kills, no big plays, nothing. It's just ding, 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 got him. Ding, ding, oh, they got me. Ding, 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 got him. Ding, ding, oh, they got me. Like, it's just like, did I trade? No, they traded. No, I didn't trade. Trade, 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 trade. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's way, it's way, it's just, there's no dynamics. There's no nuance. It's static. And Luke Smith resonates with that. He talks about it in this post, why that's not fun. Why every game being sweaty is not fun. He resonates and represents the idea well. This is why ranked is important. It works both ways. High skill players get to sweat in ranked, relax in pubs. Low skills get to play against their level in ranked and then challenge themselves in pubs together. The biggest problem becomes though there, Eugene, is that you, the top of ranked doesn't have enough players and so it's it's it eventually it breaks down i think i think you're right in concept that is true but what ends up happening is the tip of the ranked pyramid is so small they never get to match with anybody i mean i guess that you just have to start like trickling them down so they match against other people just got lucky says with comp being removed do you think pinnacle comp weapon quest will be able to be done in the new 3v3 survival mode no idea we'll have to wait and see i think that's a pretty good guess though Maybe they'll make you do the pinnacle quest in in the 3v3 Elim uh, Crucible Lab so they actually get some guinea pigs in there. Rusty. I like all the PvP news except for the survival-only comp. I know you're not a PvP guy, but thoughts on survival as the only comp moan. Gid suggested Clash instead, and I agree. Ah, You gotta remember, they're stripping down survival to just 3v3, so I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to see it's like a soft test of 3v3 elim um it's almost like a soft test also i what the sweaty pvp players would have to correct me if i'm wrong here but i feel like 3v3 survival might be a really good environment for them to make plays because if you go into a 3v3 survival and you're the best player in there, that feels like an environment where that would be clear. Um, but I, I could be wrong. Maybe people are just going to camp and team shot and then you can't really make team plays. I don't know. It depends on maps that get, that get in rotation. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I've heard good and bad about survival. I feel like I hear more bad about survival, so I don't know if the comps if the comp scene is gonna like this change. I do feel like I hear more people saying they don't like survival. Um, so white light. I'm a little confused on universal ornaments. Will every armor piece be available at once? No. If so, why would I grind for endgame armor? You've misunderstood the ornament system, and that's why. The only ornaments that are available at once, all the time, are Eververse armor pieces that you've earned seasons 1 through 8, or whatever the frick, wherever you are now. 
You cannot take, like, Escalation Protocol armor and turn it into an ornament. And people were mad when I told them I didn't think we were going to get that, and I said, I would much rather have a reason to go regrind that armor set than just get it as an ornament, and I got my wish. So I'm sorry if... Sorry! I'm sorry if that's not what you wanted to have happen, but I think suddenly having all of the armor turned into an ornament automatically invalidates all those potential repurposed loot pursuits you just you invalidate all of it you're like yeah if you have it it's an ornament you don't need to even consider ever going back to that npc or that activity ever again it's a huge win i think it's a huge win for the community to have a reason to go run escalation protocol or old raids again i don't know i i I fit i feel like that's a better a much better system um so you like saying I told you uh, so too much? I'm not saying I told you so. I'm saying I got my wish. There was two competing wishes. There were people that really, really wanted everything to be an ornament. I didn't want that. I wanted all the old gear to be repurposed. Give me a reason to go to those NPCs and those activities. And I'm just saying that I got my wish. I, like, I'm not. I'm not saying I told you so. I, there was two. There was two thought processes processes around it. Uh, Mikey. I think they should make heavy ammo be communal in Gambit as well. Gambit has such a long way to go. This wouldn't do anything right now, but create, I don't know, probably more instability. Maybe that would help people compete against those who go in with armaments and just cheese and get freaking heavy ammo the whole time. Gambit's got to go through an absolute like retooling. They're going to do prime or regular or a hybrid of the two. They're not going to be two Gambit modes anymore eventually. Doing anything with Gamma right now is pointless. They got to retool it, repackage it, and relaunch it. Do you want an Instagram mode as much as me? Um, I, you know what? <laughs> I wonder if it would be really, really fun to give everybody a trace rifle and to do like Instagib CTF. I wonder if that would be fun. Two man sparrows, big maps. I don't know. It might be stupid, but there's a part of me that thinks that might be pretty fun. <laughs> it might be horrible, though. I don't know. Uh, Comrade Panda. I've seen people saying that the new maps and modes need to come back in order to fix PvP. With the changes here, seems more foundational. What more could you suggest they change? I think there needs to be sandbox tunes and, and, and attunement and supers. and those, those things need to be tuned before we talk about anything else. Because the way... The heavy ammo change is fine, but and the fact that supers won't be showing up as much is also fine. Because I remember I kept telling you guys, I said, I think they're going to go the route of being like, here are bigger maps, here are big team battles, because the problem isn't that supers and heavy are too strong. There are some supers that are too strong. He's addressed that. Like, you can't shut down any supers. They want to change that as well. So super shutdown will be more possible, you know, and... You know, heavy ammo will be a little less uh, prevalent. And I always said, I was like, it's not that the supers and the heavy are the problem. It's the rhythm with which they show up. They show up way too often. And so I would think heavy is going to show up less often and be more of like a moment, like a Wild West moment in that game. And... then supers will be happening less often because they've they've I think they're slow down they're slowing down super gains he said and you can kill some of the ma- more daunting uh, roaming supers a little bit easier after they make some tweaks and some updates if they can get some of those things reined in I mean you know then you could talk about making changes to more small things or map design things but they've got bigger fish to fry before they start getting down into the minutia. 
Do you think they will ever go to a thousand power? These changes sound great, but in seasonal activities, I don't think power level grind means much with weekly content drops. I don't really think I need to defend a seasonal power gain with new activities and a reason to level up. That's just the way the game is built, and that's the way these games go. And I'm, I don't really feel the need to defend it or really talk about it. Dub Hicks. Did I misunderstand him or did it sound like solo queue PvP players were getting the help they've been asking for via modified rank scoring? Um, I don't feel like he said anything about that. He said... You, we've added a survival solo queue playlist that also adds awards glory. He didn't. I don't think he says anything about solo queue um, having modified rank scoring. It doesn't say that. It just says we've also added a survival solo queue playlist that also awards glory. So unless there's a part of this that I'm missing and didn't read, um, I don't know. It mentions further it down. Um, this is about Elim and Crucible Labs. Elim. Additionally, we've taken a longer look at matchmaking. Um, overly restricted, a mix of players. Uh, oh, we've refactored how players gain glory ranks with these skill match type changes. We're factoring in your skill value to glory gains and losses so that the number can more effectively represent skill. We've also made a number of quality life changes to glory, valor, and infamy to make losses less punishing to your streaks. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that applies to solo players, but I don't think he's saying anything specifically about solo players there. All wheezy. I think with the way... Uh, wait, we're factoring your skill value to glory gains and losses. So the number can more effectively represent skill. So are you interpreting that to mean that like if you've got really skill but you lost, that's going to be factored in maybe? Maybe that's what you mean by helping solo queue players? You're reading into that and seeing we're factoring in your skill value to glory gains and losses. So if you're solo queuing and you're carrying your team and you lose, they're going to factor that in maybe? is that Maybe that's what you're trying. Maybe that's what you're reading. That should also factor in when you win then, <laughs> right? Um, Alweezy says, I think with the way how buff stacking, changing, and Shadowkeep has essentially balanced our power without outright nerfing things. Do you think this nuance is a good way to balance our power? Well, I mean, they haven't gone to say what they're specifically doing with with any of the stuff um they haven't said specifically what any of that's gonna look like uh so I don't know I don't know they haven't they ha- we don't they still could be nerfing well they still could be changing well he wasn't giving patch note or or sandbox commentary he was giving big picture commentary a peasant ghost are we concerned that the pendulum might swing too far towards D2 year one with all the buffs and debuffs changes? I'm cautiously optimistic. I didn't read anything. I didn't read anything in these three director's cuts to make me feel we're going back to D2 year one. I don't know what you read if you're getting that fear and concern, but I didn't see a single thing. Now, you talk about buffs and debuffs. I mean, he's basically saying you can't stack buffs and debuffs. I mean, that, that ain't taking us back to D2 year one. Astrid. 
Uh, how will change in Cobb affect Pinnacle Weapon Chase? No idea. Death Starfish. All these PvP changes. Uh, you already ans- asked that. Uh, Gaming Scrubs. How much longer will D2 be a thing? When do you predict D3? I think D3 will launch 2021 or beyond. I don't think 2020 is a launch date for D3. I think it'll be another DLC, potentially the Taken Queen, where we go back to the Dreadnought. We still have to go back to the Dreadnought. We know that's been planned, potentially even partially built. Um... So that would put D3 outside of 2020. D McGee. Do you think stack supermod armor sets and stack scavenger armor sets from year two will still cause problems? No, I think they're going to cap all that because you got to remember you're contributing to your stats now. And they're going to say, oh, all those supermods? Yeah, that you can only hit so high of a stack running old armor because it's going to influence your, you know, the, the stats now, I think. And also stacking scavenger, I think they're just going to cap how much it can influence. They're one hundred percent. They're going to they're going to cap that. I, I would think. I would think. If not, why would you ever start using the new armor if you have those if you have those builds? I'm with Jimmy. Do you think there's a potential for frustration if a seasonal activity is very fun and it goes away when there are permanent activities like the reckoning that are pretty universally hated? Well, they're not they're not done with reckoning. They're 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 gonna they're gonna do things to it to hopefully help our our, our liking of it. Um, and I don't have a good, I don't, yeah, I don't have a good answer for this. Cause I said, you know, imagine only being able to buy something like black armory and then all the forges going away. We're just going to have to wait and see how this gets packaged and pushed out. Cause I could definitely see somebody saying I, I spent 10 bucks on the winter, you know, season pass. And I really like the activity. Now it's gone. And I wasn't able to, or planning on buying the next season. Um, I don't know. You won't be able to stack Well of Radiance and a Hammer Strike or a Boop anymore. Uh, a D, only, an enemy can only have one debuff, and a character can only have one buff at a time. That's it. Emir. Uh, what do you think about the comp changes? That's kind of generic. We've talked a little bit too much about PvP for me to give an answer to that. Uh, the Real Slim Shady. 3v3 and the elimination would get a warmer home, Mercury, and Trials of the Nine is in italics. Trials of the Nine confirmed. Um, I, yeah, I think that we've, we've already established that I think the 3v3 elimination in Crucible Labs, that's them testing and getting ready to build trials. Um, I don't know what I just did. Oh, uh, next question. Haifu waifu. Uh, with all these PvP changes on the horizon, do you think that the possibility of a game mode without supers and heavy could be something that we would see in Destiny 2's future? Nope. It would be awful and everyone would hate it and it would be like a return to D2 year one. It'd be gun-based uh, lane camping, team shotting grossness. Uh, Lucky J. If you are right and Trials eventually comes back, do you think they will change Crucible Pinnacle process? I don't. I have no idea. I can't speculate on that. Progrox. How do you think triumphs will work? I know I'm still working on forge triumphs if activities leave. I would hope they wouldn't tie a triumph to it. Because you can't you can't take the activity away and be like, yep, sorry, that you can never get that triumph. You would need to have it be maybe something that's... I don't know. Yeah, they're going to have to think about that. That's a really good question. Ninja Mouth 3, any thoughts on why Bloom was not mentioned at all? This is not a sandbox or statistical like he didn't go through and say this is what we're doing he gave big picture changes to like 
super energy and super gains and like the heavy ammo but he didn't give like specific numbers that's not what this is for they'll do a post where they're like a twab where they say okay here's exactly what we're doing with this here's how often heavy ammo is going to show up here's how many bricks you can here's how much ammo you can expect to get from a brick like they'll go into that in a, at a later time so if they do anything with bloom or anything like that that'll be done in a, in a, in a separate post that's not what these posts were for eligible wall so will combination blow, liar's handshake, cross counter, one-two punch, and tractor cannon at uh, all stack? Because if so, that'll make some cool builds using other weapons and exotics for buffs in that way. Yeah, I'm not actually sure. You're allowed to have a buff on your character, like an overall buff. You can put one debuff on an enemy, and then it like buffs that are attached to the weapon, like rampage and kill clip, will 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 be able to they'll be able to stack so if you're inside a well of radiance and your gun gets rampage your rampage is getting boosted by well uh mandy's with frog do you think they will address spawn issues anytime soon it's probably not a single fix on their end not having skill-based matchmaking I'm not going to read your entire thing because it's mostly just you talking about how it's bad. I think that they're going to the removal of underperforming maps might relate to this. Also, having a four v four, six v six rotator is probably a way for them to realize that some of the maps just should not have six v six on them. Sunfire. Do you think that if they don't release weapons as year two at launch, that they will do like a weekly bounty from planet vendors to trickle out the new weapons? My theory, this is my tinfoil hat theory, is that they're holding on to the weapons announcement. It's going to be big. Luke Smith indicated he doesn't want to spoil things they're doing with the weapons in one of these posts. So they are doing something with the weapons. This is my theory. Borderlands launches next month, September the 13th. I believe that week or the week prior, Bungie will do a stream or a pretty significant blog post announcing all the changes coming to weapons. They're going to try and get that stream or announcement out before Borderlands 3 launches to basically say, eyes on the horizon, Guardian, October the 1st, we are completely changing all these things with the weapons. There'll be so many weapons to chase in Destiny. That's what I think they're going to do. I believe they're holding on to that announcement on purpose. Armor 2.0 was a very stat-heavy, very kind of dry, slightly boring, like, here's how the system's going to work. It was cool, but I think they wanted to get this out of the way. They're going to save the boom and the pow and the excitement for later, closer to October the 1st, closer to, like, and I think Borderlands 3 plays a part here. And I also think somebody tacked onto my idea and said they're also going to announce Galley. I, I, I think that's also a fair guess. I'm telling you, you do a stream where you outline really awesome and big changes to the to the weapon system, and there's tons of weapons and perks and combinations and investments, and you announce galley. People are gonna be like Borderlands, what? Like they're a little, I'm not saying like Borderlands is gonna be an amazing game, but I think a lot of people are like, holy frick, I can't wait for October the first. Bungie knows what the frick they're doing. They know what they're doing. They're gonna hold on to weapon announcements, and even if there is a galley return, they're gonna hold on to that for. A, for until like I said they won't do it after Borderlands 3 launches I think they would do it like right before because everybody's like yeah we can't wait to play Borderlands oh Bungie's doing a stream let's check this out and then it'll be like oh my gosh the weapons the perks the galley yeah Jodicus with the director's cut released now and PvP being touched on what do you think is in store for the PvP release I mentioned in the TWAB uh, on the 8th last week 
maybe more details, maybe giving us this, like an actual indication of like what what maps are being removed. I you know maybe they'll just kind of restate what he stated and show it in action. I, you know I honestly don't know. Uh, terminal. Do you think Crota's end coming as a strike and not a raid? Probably as a meditation or something similar. Uh, that's possible. I don't think so though, because you need six people and the encounters and stuff are pretty complicated. So I don't think they'd do it as a strike or a meditation. Maybe a unique six-man activity, but then that would ba- basically be a raid. Uh, retro, retro. Do you think now that they have officially doing stuff with Crucible Labs again that they should expect them to continue using it much beyond that? It seems like such an interesting feature that went unused. I They gotta have stuff to test. They gotta have stuff to do, and they probably didn't. So, you do not need six people. Can we not do that, though? You can two-man or solo it. Okay, that's not normative. The line share of the player base went in with the six-man team. And more than likely, there would still be most of the raiding and endgame community would prefer to go into an environment like Crota with six people. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, There's been people that have done a ton of things in Crown of Sorrow they've two-manned and three-man Crown of Sorrow. Are you going to argue then that it's not normative for a six-man team to go into Crown of Sorrow? No, I don't think you would argue that. Like, I know Crota became kind of like a strike and kind of like a, a, a joke to people, but I still think the normative across the community experience would take six people in there. Like, uh, Rainbine. You think solo comp will award the same as normal comp? Uh, and which one do you think will have a bigger population? I have no idea. I don't know. Solo comp is dangerous because you could really, really bleed the comp, the other, the other, um, it's not solo comp, by the way. It's, I know what you're saying, but the 3v3 survival solo playlist could really hurt the other playlist. Severage says, where are we on this, on these questions? Oh, golly frick. Okay. I'm going to start going really fast. Uh, Severage. Do you think Bungie will keep the activities from season that sees immense traffic and players have it stay as evergreen? I don't know if they would do that. That might mean they bring it back later, but I don't think they're going to be like, hey guys, you liked it so much, we're not retiring. And I don't think they would do that like on the fly. Sabres. Considering loot coming back at a later date comment, do you think there could be seasonal rotating menagerie loot pools? That'd be cool, but I don't know how much they're going to want us to focus on menagerie they're going to want us to probably focus on these new activities. Wishwash. You brought up a wonder with maybe things going away, but gear pitting somewhere else. If I don't buy the second season and then gear comes out in season three and other places, would I be able to get the gear if I don't own season two? I have no idea. I would guess that yes, you could. Pi Piper. Since we are getting trials, any- we are not getting trials anytime soon. Do you think it's an indication that D2 is sticking around longer than Shadowkeep? And it's year of seasons being that we know trials is something they want to bring back. I don't know if this is necessarily an indication that we're going to get another year and then another DLC next year out of D2, but it certainly seems like they have a much more long game plan in mind for D2. Nova hands. Uh, Hey, Lono, perhaps the content they're going to retire will always be at least a year old. For instance, maybe next year they retire all the year one raids. No, 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 no. That's not how he phrased it, homie. He said season nine would be a buildup to a thing and an activity, and then it would end and go away. He was not, he was not saying we'll start lopping off pieces of the game to make space. That's not what he was saying. 
Crimson Eclipse. Do you think that the way their decision to make seasonal content temporary is a way to curb technical limitations? That's a hundred. I mean, he said that in the thing. Do you think they're going to do a full-on annual pass for possible year four or something similar to what they did with Forsaken Shadowkeep? I have no idea. Dr. Sprepper. The reason I have Iron Banner love is because they call it a pinnacle activity. What if they use pinnacle activities as a way of rewarding a variant of mods or armor, more energy, mix energy, mods that are... Okay, alright, alright. I can see where you're going with that. Like, raid you know, raid and, and iron banner. I, I still don't think, <laughs> I still don't think iron banner is on the level of a freaking raid. Cause you can literally just queue up and casually complete bounties and casually get gear to drop. I, I just, I don't know. I disagree with the concept of iron banner being pinnacle and rewarding you with better loot than, than, than other activities or, or loot. That's like on the level of the raid. Like, yeah, the, the raid armor has got split energy and it's really cool. It's got an extra mod slot. And so does iron banner. I'd be like the frick I can solo queue into iron banner with the blindfold on and get loot. Like that doesn't even make any sense. The iron banner quest wasn't casual. I mean a quest, but that, that should be attached to like maybe like a pinnacle or something. I should not be getting Iron Banner armor or things from Iron Banner that are like at the level of a raid. You can literally play with your eyes closed and get loot. I don't know. I don't think that I don't think that's a good idea. That seems really weird to consider that a pinnacle. I, the only reason I, I would say they would say it's pinnacle isn't because it's difficult, but because there's light level advantages. But that's not a reason to put insanely amazing gear in there. That doesn't make, that doesn't add up. The gear has to be in line with the actual difficulty of the, of the, of the encounter, not just have light level advantages turned on. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I let my son play Iron Banner. I get free tokens. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Cool, uh, cool, JC. What if there's a thing they're removing is the equivalent of like the Dreaming City cycle? It makes sense story-wise. I don't think they plan on removing an activity at the end of the season. Doesn't make sense, especially how they speak highly of Escalation Protocol and Menagerie. You didn't read the same thing I read, bro. You didn't read it. Um, he said, uh, for a time, right, right, right here. Let me reread it, okay? This year will see events that last for three months and offer new rewards to chase. Although at the end of that period, some of the activities will go away. For a time, the rewards will too, but we acknowledge part of Destiny is collecting all the stuff, so in future seasons, the weapons and legendary armor associated with these seasonal activities will be added into other reward sites. He's literally saying there are activities that will go away. Now, he said they see these events lasting for three months. So is it going to be like a free event? So would it be like the Verdant Forest? The Verdant Forest was free, so it coming and going didn't bother anybody. But he said this differs from last year's annual pass, with which permanently added activities to the game. So he's making a parallel. Annual pass added permanent activities. So he doesn't have the Verdant Forest in his mind here. And he's saying... This year we'll see events that last for three months and new rewards and then those activities will eventually go away. So I understand we're trying to have like a hopeful, generous reading of this, but he's making it very clear there will be activities that go away. 
And I just, I just don't know how people are going to receive that. I think it's a good choice. I think it's a needed choice. But I think there's a significant perception problem there where players are going to say, I paid $10 for the winter season. And the winter season came with this activity. We'll call it the, the Haunted Forest 2.0. And it, I, to play that activity, I had to buy the winter season, and you're taking that activity away at the end of the season. Again, if you go in eyes wide open and you know what you're paying for, it's $10 for a season of stuff to do, and then it's over and done with, I think people will be a little bit more receptive of, of activities going away, but I do think there is a thread, I'm not saying it's legitimate that they shouldn't do this, there's a technical reason they have to do this. There's also just a good philosophical reason to do this. We cluster around the new activities anyway. Menagerie came out. Almost nobody was probably running the old activities. You weren't running the forges. You weren't doing those things, right? You were clustering around Menagerie. Technical reasons, actual philosophy reasons, we do it anyway. I still think there's a thread of legitimacy in somebody saying, I paid for this seasonal stuff and you're taking it away from me. You know... I think the activity he talks about disappearing is like Vex Invasions. Homie, you guys are just not reading this with, with eyes wide open. He's not talking about Vex Invasions going away. He's talking about an activity that has rewards to chase. That's the language he uses. This year, we'll see events that last for three months and offer new rewards to chase. Although, at the end of that period, some of the activities will go away. For a time, the rewards will too. That ain't Vex Invasions, dude. They're going to be putting activities in the game like Verdant Forest. It's here for a while, and then it goes away. Like, I hear where you're coming from. You guys are being hopeful. You're thinking, oh, it'll be low-key, it'll be low-key. I definitely think they looked at the size of their game and said, if every annual pass we add something that is tantamount to the Forge's Reckoning and the Menagerie, we're going to run out of freaking room in the game. We can't keep doing that. So they're going to do something that other games do where it's like, hey, for this season, here is the Nightmare Forest, and then the Nightmare Forest goes away after four months and doesn't come back. I think people are going to complain. I'm okay with it. I'm just saying I, I, I want to come up with a pretty good response and answer to that because I don't like the fact that, you know, people are going to feel dissatisfied. But again, it's a technical, they have to do it. It's a technical limitation as well as just a sensible limitation because we cluster around the activities anyway. Who's running Blind Well and Escalation Protocol right now? You're not. You're running the new stuff. That's just kind of how it is. We kind of do it anyway. We shuffle to the new things. Resident Recon. After reading the director's cut too, I feel Bungie is going backward with making it impossible to get max power without raids. What are your thoughts on this? Absolutely not. It's a clear hybrid. He's helping casuals with a very easily power bonus on the artifact. Anybody can hit 950. You can get a little bit of you can get a little bit above it as a as a celebratory token of honor to get to 960. You are misreading what he wrote big time. He made it very clear they don't want to go back to D1 where the only way to hit max power is raise your forever 29. The raids are going to be like an extra thing on top. You're not going to get to 950 and be like, well, I haven't gotten 960 raid gear. I'm not max level. No, you will be max level within the ethos of that season. It's an extra thing on top. It's a hybrid of the past and the present, and I think it's totally fine. 
Um, cause I'm one of the people that has, has said you shouldn't have to run raids to get max level and I'm okay with it cause I see it as it is. It's not, it's not requiring you to run it. Uh, Tyro man, personal take on how people make the disconnect to the point where they view other players and themselves as worthless and its impact on how the community can grow with the majority player base with that viewpoint. You want my personal take on how people make the disconnect to the point where they view other personal other players than themselves as worthless and its impact on how the community can even grow with the majority player base with this viewpoint. Well, I mean, I think the player base can grow because there's a free entry point. That free entry point gives those people tons of access to activities and most of the people that play this game don't play PvP. <gasps> what? PvP carries the game. No, the, the, PvP's been in the minority for five years. It has a good player base. It has a healthy player base, but it's not the majority. I think people that look at New Light and when they advertise New Light and they look at the director and they look at Destiny as a whole, I don't think we're going to get flooded with millions of people who want to come play Destiny PvP. It'll be a mixture and it'll probably have a trend and a lean toward people that want to play an action MMO. Okay, they're digging into the action MMO identity and they're barely doing anything for Crucible that we can see. Nothing that innovative. So I don't think this idea that like people are like, Uh, everybody else is worthless I think primarily that comes from like crucible players because they're like I don't care if they get stomped I just want to stomp right to be fair why should I care what's happening other players I want my experience to be fun so to be fair I understand that trend towards being sort of self focused okay because I'm playing video games on a Friday night. You think I give a rip about Steve in California or Stephanie in Wisconsin? I don't care about them. I just want to play a video game and have a good time. That doesn't mean you need to be mean about it, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, I think to a certain extent, it's not this mean, cutthroat, lack of charitable feelings in a person. It's just, dude, I just want to play video games and have fun. I don't really care what they're doing. I want to have fun. There's nothing wrong with that. It's your hobby, you know? And... I think the game can grow just fine. They're going to protect. They're going to protect brand new players in the Crucible for a time. And I also said, I, I really do think. I think it'll be like a three to one. It'll be a one to th- one out of three people that come in at New Light are going to come in primarily for PvP. The other two people out of every three are going to be coming in for the rest of the game, since that's the way the game is built it's like a 90 it's like a 90 10 split like look at the director and try and tell me that like this game is centered around pvp it ain't it's not it's never been it never will be they're clearly not going in that direction the groundwork they're laying with armor 2.0 and everything luke smith is talking about this game is not trending toward being about crucible crucible is being maintained and improved but it is not becoming the focal point of the centerpiece so it certainly ain't going to become the focal point of the centerpiece for people that come into the game and coming in for gambit no i no uh, i highly doubt it and gambit's getting gonna get chopped down to one game mode eventually anyway mandy's with frog how do you think they'll get new players to play 6v6 control instead of classic mix like he said they wanted with so many options on the director i feel like it's just names well i think they're gonna make it really really easy to pick 6v6 control um so 
and like Chevy's reiterating, Luke said they had nothing new and exciting to announce, so they decided not to mention it. Like, yeah, they just they don't have anything huge for it yet. Because truth be told, as a previous person that submitted a question pointed out, there's only so much you can do with Crucible. And I think this is what Bungie said. Our best pivot is to simplify the funnel to just get people into games, simplify the matchmaking algorithms as well to just get people into games, and then let's use Crucible Labs to refine 3v3 elimination so we can bring back Trials, because that's their only really strong pivot. That's their strong pivot, is Trials, and they want to make sure it's right, so they're making the cautious call to throw 3v3 elim into Crucible Labs to let us help it grow and flourish into the right version of itself. Marine Misk. So if I have my weapon buff Rampage active and I stand in Weapons of Light well, does that... Weapons of Light well... You come on. Does one of those buffs go away? It's confusing. Okay. There are three possible buffs. There are, there are three possible things that can be active, active at a given time that you're shooting an enemy. A, one debuff on the enemy at a time one buff on your player and then a buff that's internal to the weapon itself those are the three things that can be happening when you're shooting an enemy no more stacking of any of it okay so there can be one buff on the enemy somebody tractor cannons the ogre okay i'm standing in a well of radiance and my gun has rampage active that's it If I'm inside of a bubble with weapons of light and I step into a well of radiance, I don't get both. It's going to take one. It's going to take the strongest buff, whether it's well of radiance or weapons of light. That's it. You're not going to be able to debuff an enemy twice. You know what I'm saying? So one debuff, one ability buff, and then one weapon perk buff like Rampage or Kill Clip as Chevy's put it in chat. That's it. No more stacking. I still think Well of Radiance is going to get some treatment, but I think this is going to help them. Maybe this is going to help them not have to hit Well of Radiance too hard. You know? Yes, you can still stack Rampage and Kill Clip from, from the way it's been explained here. So with your Kindled Orchid, if you've got a Drop Mag Rampage Kill Clip, that will still happen. There's almost no weapons that really do that efficiently. It's not like you're going to get a Spike Nade Grenade Launcher that can have Rampage and Kill Clip active at the same time. Like, it's a Kindled Orchid. That's a that's a, a couple seconds of, a, of, a, of an extra stack. That's still possible, yes. Which could be interesting with... with with weapons of light <laughs> that gun could get interesting in the crucible with weapons of light I don't know if it'd be enough to two tap can you two tap now Friday Fortnite was cancelled today why uh, fuzzy bunny any thoughts on whether well nerf no buff while healing is a good tack I'm intrigued by this path rather than a straight taking the buff away wait no buff while healing did he say that is that how he phrased it I, I read through that really quickly for the sake of the video, and so I didn't actually, like, retread that. That doesn't sound right. Are you suggesting that? That doesn't sound right. He didn't say that. Um. No, I didn't read that at all. He meant you'll get the heal, but not the damage amp. Where was that? Because he did say something about that, I thought. 
he did say something about that. It was almost like a, um, right here. It's got nuance to it, though. If you're under the damage effect of something stronger than Well of Radiance, you will still receive the healing effect from the Well, but the damage bonus would come from the other buff, like Lumina or Weapons of Light. Oh, that's if... Oh, okay, so you misread this. What he's saying is... Okay, he's splitting it. This is getting real kind of confusing. Let's imagine that weapons... Oh, this is really interesting. Okay, so what he's saying is is that weapons of light is going to be stronger as a damage buff than well. Well will continue to heal you, but the source of your damage buff would be weapons of light because the strongest buff takes precedence. That's what he's saying. So it's not like you're going to step out of a weapons bubble and into a well of radiance, and because you have weapons of light... He's, it, it's not like it's not gonna, you're suddenly not getting healed by the well. Lumina is stronger, yikes. Well, I mean, this may be an indication that they're nerfing well's damage buff because it's mainly meant to be a, he- a source of healing. Look, at its core, Well of Radiance should have never buffed damage. It doesn't make sense. It's it's a survival. It's a pool of, of health. It should just, from the very beginning, it should only heal you. It would still be super effective and super helpful for damage phases. It doesn't need to buff our damage. That's such an overkill. What do supers do? Ah, well, you know, sometimes they do damage. Sometimes they protect you for damage. What if we did a super that did both? <laughs> oh, and you you don't have to hold down anything like with Ursa Furiosa, like with the barrier. Or you have to hide in the bubble and can't shoot out. <laughs> it just gets to do everything. <laughs> uh, Lockhaven. What should happen to Middle Tree Sentinel to let it compete with weapons of light? Um... Let us put the thing on the ground like a like a towering barricade. I would I would retool I would retool that 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 middle tree shield because detonators are really fun. I would love to be able to put that down on the ground and just have it function as a rallying barricade. Um, so we're basically getting double bubble back with weapons and well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Trip Hazard says, uh, Hey Lono, I just want to know what your thoughts are about Destiny as a whole. Do you think Bungie seemed to focus a lot on PvP aspect of the game than the PvE side? I mean, you will have people who love the PvP side of the game, but the story is more important in my opinion. And the fact that exotic quests are forcing people to go into PvP gambit and comp doesn't seem right as it puts PvE players into an uncomfortable position. I mean, this isn't really even a question. You just wanted an opportunity to complain about exotic quests. <laughs> I mean, look, man, I, I, like, I'm not going to give you my thoughts on Destiny 2 as a whole. Like, you got to voice your opinion, and I'm moving on. Uh, why do you think they don't talk about Rally Barricade and Luna Faction? Uh, what would you do about it, says Negative Harmony. I mean, I think anything that negates needing to reload is, is, is a bit of a problem because of how fast you can shoot some things, especially grenade launchers. Um... Rockets are definitely held by Rally, Bar- Rally Barricade and Luna Faction, but I could definitely see all of those exotics, Luna Faction, and then all of the exotics that give you super energy, I could see them all getting retuned in Shadowkeep. Like, literally retuned. I mean, like, getting new abilities. Drake Peck. 
Do you think Solstice gear should be added to the World Drop Ingrams or Universal Ornaments for players who have earned them so they can use the gear when they are in the min-max stage of the game? Yeah, I don't know about this. That would be a nice little reward for them to say, hey, Solstice Armor is a Universal ornament because you definitely when they were showing the solstice armor there the, the the solstice ornaments as well as the eververse ornaments were in there i think i agree with this that they should consider doing that um so eugene's making a good point i actually i actually tucked that away and meant to say something before i moved on from luna factions and rally barricades rockets basically need that to be effective for dps <clears throat> if you can't auto reload a rocket your your rockets are dead in the water rockets need help Rockets need their reload to be, I think, universally made quicker, and I think they need to have two in the chamber. Or, they're never gonna get any footing. Uh, will all the loot in the game be available with your tier treatment? Are they gonna do the Nightfalls like DFA? We don't know yet. They're tucking away the weapons announcement for probably later. Detro Max, the Warlocks can boop, use a well, and then punch for an empowered melee. No, because the empowered melee it does the same thing that an empowering rift does, so that would not stack on top of well. So they could boop in the well. That's it. That's a debuff and a buff. You can't go debuff, buff, buff. You can't do that. It's one debuff, one buff, one weapon, buff. Like, so you can have a boop, your well, and then maybe rampage or kill clip. Active. That's it. That's it. Um... Oh, you know what's interesting about this, though? Doesn't that mean, then, that explosive light in the wen- in the Wendigo can get buffed by well, then, right? Because Wendigo's explosive light should stack on top of... It should stack on top of well, or weapons of light, and then you could melting point. Wouldn't that be meta almost right out of the gate? Six Wendigos in a melting point with the weapons bubble? Because if you're shooting 36, 36 Wendigo shots that are all supercharged, six people shooting six shots, 36 shots with weapons of light on a melting point punch would probably be, out of the box, one of the strongest DPS bakes in the new system. Because currently, doesn't Wendigo not get buffed by well or something? Oh, and Tether buffs power weapons too, so Tether would probably be better because it would extend the damage phase. Melting's really short. Assuming we still have reloading. How many shots are in the Wendigo in the chamber, though? Isn't it like five anyway? So it'd be six by maybe 30 shots with no, with, with, right? It'd be 30 shots because you wouldn't get to shoot the extra six, isn't it? Oh, no, it has six in the chamber. Well, then, yeah, you wouldn't have to reload Chevy. I'm saying you'd get all six shots charged with with explosive light. Tether buffs heavy weapons now and weapons of light. So you got a debuff, a buff from the weapon, a buff from the well, from the bubble, and then a buff from the Wendigo itself. Only way to get rid of auto-loading and reloading is to kill Luna factions. You could use a rally barricade. You got a Titan anyway. He just put down his weapons bubble. Weapons bubble, rally barricade, tether, Wendigo. Chung, 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 chung. Right, right there, out of the box, is probably going to be one of the strongest DPS builds for a full team. So, get your Wendigos. Because the Wendigo is one of the... Think about that with me for a second. The Wendigo is one of the strongest weapon buffs in the game, right? Because if you get one weapon buff, a, a player buff, and a debuff, people are going to want to have Wendigo. 
Bet when uh, melting point well and trench is still going to be super strong. Yeah, that'll be pretty good too. Yeah, that that that's going to be people are going to really really want to get Wendigo given the rules that Luke outlined in this in this uh, blog. Assuming they don't touch Luna's or Rally, Swarm is only better when you do Boop as the debuff. You're firing more shots. Yeah, that's true too. So when to go if you can't boop. So if it's a boss that you can't boop, it'd be when to go with tether and a bubble. If you can boop, it would be spike swarms with a boop and a bubble. Those would be your two go-to team melts. Pask four. Can we still expect changes to auto-reload Luna Factions because Yeah, possibly. Possibly. By the way, Chevy, I don't know how many teams you guys have going for Worlds First, but I'm looking to join a bake team. I'm not going to like try and just grab folks from the community, so I don't know if you guys have room anywhere, but I'm looking to join a bake team for day one. I've never gone in with a bake team, um, so I don't. you guys are probably full, so... But you may know other bake teams that are forming that are really high skill. I don't know. I was going to try and get with like streamers and stuff. Pork chop. What is your biggest takeaway from this? Like the one thing you're looking forward to? Um, I mean, the biggest takeaway from this is that Crucible is still not a huge focus. Trials is probably out on the horizon. Um, and it's good that they're doing like a singular idea. I said this yesterday. I told you they're probably only going to let you hold one buff at a time. It'll show up. I I was wrong. I said, if you get weapons of light first and then step in something else, you're stuck with weapons of light. They're going to let you take whatever the strongest buff is instead of, um, yeah, I could reach out to Slayer Rage too. If redeems full up. Um, I just want to be on like a bake team day one, just to see how it goes. So, I like that they're taking like a, a very like structured approach to that balance because here's why that works, right? Here's why that works. They can say all weapon buffs are in this category, all player buffs are in this category, all debuffs are in this category. People can only get one of each. And then anytime they add an exotic or something that debuffs or an ability or something that buffs, they can keep it in its lane. You see what I'm saying? Like, this makes future balancing easier. Uh, Funky Dirty Bird. Do you think the world-changing event is breaking Dreaming City Curse finally? Yeah, I don't know. People think it's it's, it's tied to the lore of a thousand light or power or whatever. Uh, I'm so blazed. Could Ray's Lighter be coming back? Maybe. Death Starfish. Do you have any theories about what they're going to do with Ikora and Shadowkeep? I have no idea what they're going to do with her. Give her something to do, like an NPC, like a like a, a gear grind. You know what I mean? Um, Keezy, Keezy Bro, do you think Sparrow Racing is going to return? Never. Big Mad Mo. So with all these changes coming to D2, the idea of min-maxing, do you think world tiers are something that could be on the horizon? Oh, I would freaking love that. Give me contest modifier on all the old raids. Give me world tiers for public spaces. Give me heroic level difficulty for strikes and nightfalls. Bring it. Like, I want to min-max and really go in there. There's got to be loot incentive, though. There must be loot incentive. If I'm turning up world tier or difficulty, there's got to be loot incentive. It is Jeff. 
At this point, do you think it is a good idea to add intrinsic perks and set bonuses for armor? I don't think we're going that direction. I've been getting this question a lot. The amount of investment they're going to have you in just going into one set of armor, I really don't think they're taking us down that road where there'll be set bonuses. Intrinsic raid perks and stuff like that, maybe. But I don't think they're taking us to a system with loadouts and set bonuses for like your EDZ armor is better on the EDZ. That would get, I I think that would be a disproportionate um, amount of stuff. You know what I mean? Excuse me. Mavericate. Think players would be able to hit 960 from doing old raids? I don't know. We don't know how they're going to do it. I'm really hoping, since they're resetting us all at 750, that the raids go up in power. Leviathan could be like 800, Last Wish could be 850, and then the new raid could be like 900, something like that. I think that'd be cool. Or just have Contest Modifier active in all of them. So you have to get to a certain light level if you want to run them. Uh, Subaru... Do you know we have debuff portion works? If something is tethered, for example, and it's a lower percentage debuff, can someone melting point? And then after that debuff falls off, would it... Yeah, see, this is a really good question because what you could potentially do is go melting point, and then if you have an opportunity to tether it, you just need to take it. It wouldn't override melting point, but it would be there once melting point drops off. Melting point was always stronger than tether, but tether overrode it. So I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do that. They're doing that with the buffs on the player, but I don't know if they're going to do that with debuffs. Are they going to go in and re, re-engineer tether to say it doesn't override a debuff that's stronger than itself? Because if they can do that to the player and say you hold the strongest buff, the enemies could also only hold the strongest debuff as well. Because since Golgoroth, Tether has overrode debuffs. They could change that given the new system and how they're doing it. I think there'd be a logical reason to do that. Uh, Detromax, would it make sense uh, for Well to give you more damage for the ability of hiding inside a bubble, especially in PvP? Wouldn't it make sense for Well to give you more damage for the ability of hiding inside of a bubble, especially in PvP? Why would Well give you more damage? If I get weapons of light and I step out of the bubble, I'm completely hurt. You can hurt me. In Well of Radiance, you can't be hurt that quickly at all. You're practically invincible, in PvE at least. Detromax, sorry for the follow-up question, but why is Middle Tree Sentinel so bad compared to Well and the upcoming bubble? It only grants... They said they made changes to all of the Void subclasses. Maybe not all, but to some of them. So that one's probably going to get some treatment, I would think. Uh, Dreams Visions. But to concern you that Warlocks have three buffs they can use and none of them stack now. Nope. Doesn't concern me at all. Play smart. Don't just stack buffs. Uh, <laughs> uh, A. Chevy says, Striking Hand mod and the Emperor's 25% ability damage mods. Do you think these will be in addition to everything or count as an ability buff? I believe they will count as an ability buff, Chevy, because I think they apply to your character. The gun buffs like apply to the damage the gun does, and those apply to everything you do. That then, to me, is an ability buff. So, weapons of light or emperor's twenty. You know, the emperor's the the striking hand mod, right? Striking hand mod is that's applying to your character. Don't apply to the character. Okay, I'm saying it wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like it's it acts like an ability buff, right? 
Does striking hand work on like your Nova bomb? So if I get striking hand and then if I get a damage buff, doesn't isn't that how striking hand works? You get a kill with melee and then everything is stronger. Does it apply to your Nova? It's like almost like a global buff. Is that how it works? Just because the buffs don't stack doesn't mean they aren't useful. Striking hand is 20% to all damage. That's an excellent question for Luke Smith that only applies to activities on the Leviathan, but still is a good question because they may add mods later that do similar things. Um, So, excellent question. I happen to think they would treat it as an ability buff because it's sort of of all-encompassing. It's not like Rampage. So I would think it would it would it would be red as like weapons of light because even though it it leaves weapon like it doesn't apply to your weapons it applies to everything it still seems to be a a far reaching buff that would be red in the data internally as an ability buff uh, El Pinto Loco don't you think it would be better to approach allow uh, to allow buffs to stack but to decrease their percentage individually to incentivize team play and coordination nope I just addressed this because if you have buffs, ability buffs, debuffs, and gun buffs, right? So you got Rampage, Tether, and Well of Radiance. Then anytime they add something in that lane, they know just how extreme it can be. It's a whole lot easier to balance. Okay, this is going to be a debuff. Okay, how are all the debuffs functioning right now? How high can we take them? Okay, this is going to be an ability buff. Okay, how high are those going? This is going to be a buff on a weapon like Explosive Light on Wendigo. It's a lot easier if they're in all those lanes. Do you think Helmo Saint will be retooled since it's Grant's Blessings? No idea. Yeah, they might have to retool it because then that would turn it into like a double a double dip. Doesn't it just give you Blessing though when you're inside or does it give it when you leave the bubble as well? I don't really remember how Helma Saint works. I thought it made you basically invincible inside the bubble. Like you can shoot the ground with the rocket invincible. Oh, it's when you leave too? I thought I saw a Reddit thread that said that. They were like, and just like that, they made Helma Saint 14 meta, and that's why. I didn't realize it was when you stepped out. That's really freaking strong. Is it for is it for everybody or just the Titan? So everybody steps out and gets Blessing or just the Titan? Armor of Light in the bubble, Blessings when you step out for everybody. <whistles> yeah, they made Helma Saint 14 meta. That's... <laughs> that's really good you don't need well anymore you don't need well well the nice thing about well though is well is well well continues to heal you so blessings you start to take damage and then it's gone right so it's not it's still not as good as well you take one or two shots and it's gone um so well well of radiance will still have its uh its place so that's the final question. I'm not going to shut down the stream. If you're here right now and you enjoyed this segment, reading it, you know, reading the thing and then doing Q&A, please click the follow button. That's a free and easy way to support me. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, click the link below because I'm probably live right now. Come into the stream and hang out with us. And always, please like, share, and subscribe.